Hey dorks, just a quick message reminding you to head over to twitch.tv slash mindgappodcast and give us a follow. We live stream when we record our new podcast episodes and we're live streaming video game sessions on Saturday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. We're playing super rad stuff like Among Us, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, Jackbox Games, and Tabletop Simulator. Come hang out and play along with us. That's twitch.tv slash mindgappodcast. Mind Gap Podcast. Welcome to My Gap Podcast. I'm Doug. I'm Justin. And joining us this week, straight from the quarantine files, straight from some voiceover work, straight from acting, from being in a band, please welcome Christy Alsip. Hi. I, I love that applause button. I just want to walk around with it all flipping day. Doesn't it just make you feel good? Honestly, if we just I, had that really in general, you know, just anything you do, you just get this audio, you know, drop of people cheering. It's like, you know what? I'll take it. Yeah, it's a little condescending. Yeah, it's a little patronizing at times, but you know what? Still love it. It's a nice it's a nice little boost. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I like it. Well, we are so happy to have you here, and we can't wait to talk about uh, the quarantine files and some other things. But before we get started, just a couple of housekeeping things. Real quick, in case you guys don't know, don't forget to check out the podcast on Spotify as well as other places you can find the podcast. But don't forget, if you have Spotify, look us up there. Also, uh, we have an official Discord server for MindGap Podcast, as well as for the gaming stream. Uh, you can find a link to it down uh, below if you're on Twitch, just right down below. You can find it. There's a little uh, little banner. You click on that banner. Uh, we'll also post a link to it in the chat. So come join our community. Hang out with us. Chat with us. We play a lot of video games there, too, so join up with a group and, uh, and join us in our community. We'd love to have you there, so don't forget to check that out. Also, don't get, forget to follow at MGP Throwdowns for deeper dives into our throwdowns. That's at MGP Throwdowns. Uh, and, of course, don't forget our Saturday night video game streams. We had a real awesome one for Halloween. We played Left 4 Dead 2. It was great. We playing zombies, zombie hunters. We tried to, you know, hurt each other, and we did emotionally as well as in the game. It was great. And this uh, Saturday, we're going to be playing Project Winter. If you're familiar with Among Us, uh, the game that's blown up the world. This is like an advanced version of this, where you have some survivors stranded in an Arctic place, and there's two traitors who are trying to prevent you from escaping, and it's a real wild time, and I'm really bad at it. So it'll be really fun to watch all of us sort of clamor and try to survive as two people try to stop that from happening. So that's Saturday night, 8 p.m. Central Time at twitch.tv slash mindgappodcast. All so right. It's kind of like Among Us meets The Thing. It's very much like that. It's, like it's not that. so much alien-esque, but it's the idea that, you know, people are traitors and they just, you know, you can set people up to get murdered by bears. Uh, you can straight up just murder people. It's wild. It's super crazy. There's a survival element to it where if you're left out in the cold or you don't eat enough food, you die that way. So it's, it's kind of wild. It's kind of crazy. So come check that out. Saturday night, 8 p.m. Central Time. We'd love to hang out. But that being said, Justin... 
tell us about the Quarantine Files episode that's coming out this Friday, November the 6th. we got a good one coming up for you guys. This one is our documentary episode. Look, you're not a filmmaker unless you make a documentary, right? And Christy was along to help us out make a documentary. Um, it's it's uh, This one was written by Adam uh, Smeestad and directed by Adam, and uh, it stars... Uh, the, the wonderfully talented Christy Alsip. Um, Christy, what was what was it like filming it for you? Uh, it was definitely a different experience for sure. Um, I was kind of nervous because, uh, you know, I didn't know what was going to be expected as far as camera angles. I knew you three were going to be on, um, I think we were on Zoom, watching me, um, you know, coordinate where the camera was going to be set up. And um, so... It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was very rewarding because I hadn't been a part of something like that before. So, um, yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. We uh, we were we were talking off mic briefly. There is without giving too much away about the the contents of the episode. There is a scene where you get some fan mail and you have to open it up. And it's uh, tell tell us a little bit about what the fan mail is and then what the the story upon you uh, actually getting the prop. Yeah, so um, so I opened up some fan mail, and it is a um, a men's thong. And now let me say that uh, the day that we filmed that, um, I had gone to get my taxes done about an hour away, and I thought I'd have plenty of time and leisurely be able to get things set up and prep for the you know. Well, it was you know the tax accountant was running late, and so I get out of there and I'm like, I gotta pick up a thong. And I'm on the way home. So I stop at Lover's Lane. And I'm in a big hurry. So I just, I barrel in there and I said, hi, I need a men's thong. I need a thong. Glittery or the wildest thong that you have. And normally I wouldn't just bust into a Lover's Lane and declare that. Not a typical day. Not get my taxes done. I'm going to rush into Lover's Lane and find a sparkle thong. rush into Lover's Lane and find a and she approaches me and she just goes in a really sort of you know normal conversational tone she goes you know so what's the occasion and I just thought god do you really want the answer to that you know I just I can't imagine what it would be like at their customer service trainings how to prep and role play for whatever, you know, person rolls in there for what they want. I just can't even imagine what they have to go through. I don't think I could approach. I bought a song. <laughs> I, I've worked a lot of customer service in my life and I don't think I could approach anyone with the straight face as they're shopping for a thong and go, so what's the occasion? Like any answer that I get is going to be an answer I don't want, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it just, yeah, it just it wouldn't be my kind of gig. So what do you think kind of yeah. occasions do they run into? You know, I'm sure anniversary's got to be up there, right? Bachelor, bachelorette, bachelorette, probably, yeah. Um, maybe a newly divorced guy, any kind of <laughs> fetish thing. I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows? You know, um, I don't think I'd really want to hear about uh, what other people are doing, you know? I <laughs> concerned about what i'm doing i don't need to know what everybody else is doing so i just i want to yeah so we ended up 
Go ahead. We ended up giving that song to, you know, I played at that wedding. We ended up giving that to the groom. Ah! So that's amazing. It did come in handy. <laughs> I, uh, I want to meet the guy who, when they ask, like, what's the occasion? They're like, I just need some new underwear. (laughs) Like, just flat out. He's just there shopping. Instead of going to Target, that's where he goes for his briefs. Or it's just so comfortable. Right, exactly. I need something with that's more bedazzled. If you have anything that's more bedazzled, I could use that. Because that's what we all need in our soft underwear. Justin, you ever worn a thong? I have not. Neither have I. All right, good. I was kind of hoping hey, we could. Listeners, you know. <laughs> have you? Have any of you out there ever want a song? Sound off and let us know. Uh, Jared, Jared, I'm looking at you. Jared in the, in the Twitch chat says, uh, you know, I'm running for a marathon would be a response. You know, like, what's the occasion? Running for a marathon. You know, marathon. do yeah. these have racing strike protection? <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I did, however... Yeah, nothing about that looks comfortable. No. I did, however, uh, at one point, I int- I was in uh, graduated with a degree in radio broadcasting, and so I had to do internships in the Chicago radio market. And one of the, uh, one of the jocks that I interned for, one of the DJs, was a very old-school rocker, and uh, I was interning for him, and he turned around in the booth one time, bent down to get something, and he... Uh, apparently that was just uh, par for the course for him but yeah he definitely had a that that was how he rolled he he rolled with thongs so i was like oh this guy this guy's rock and roll right here yeah living on the edge i mm-hmm. think i think that's one of those things where you know you got to get used to it probably you know something you got to you know it's it's i think this this stage of the game you know i'm 37 you know it's like <laughs> cool if if this is something i'm going to get i mean it's going to it's a commitment you know and uh, I think there's just a lot of things that with dudes are just not as attractive on dudes as they are on women. And that's one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I, just, I don't know. You know what? To each their own. I'm definitely not judging Look, anyone. Whoever wants right to do guy. it, you know, <clears throat> on the right guy. I'm sure it's wonderful. Yeah. I just I think in general, your average dude putting that on, it's going to be like, man, what are we doing here? You know, what know. Are we, what's what's the goal? <laughs> I'll, well, I'll tell you what the goal is. Seduction, Douglas. Seduction. Yeah, I think in the way guys think about seduction is not the way that... I mean, I, who am I to speak on that? But I, just, I, I think in general, dude's like, this is what I would like, so this is what I'm going to do to the other person. It's like, I don't think that's how it works. Hey, you're, also pre- you're also presuming it's a, it's a, a guy-to-girl ratio, too. Fair point. I mean, you know what I mean? It, it could, yeah, it could be a guy on guy. And at the same guys time, know, guys I mean, know what they like. That's true. Saying. That's right. You know, that's all that is. Yeah. There's no judgment. You know? So here. again, listeners, let us know. What is your experiences with thongs been like? A <laughs> hundred points for the person who has the best uh, <laughs> story. A hundred points uh, for the Hogwarts cup. <laughs> <laughs> and the points mean nothing around here. So anyway, uh, Friday. I was going to say, what do you, what do you get with the points? I mean, you can Our, cash I, them I in for different things, you know, like whatever you want. A you know, it goes in the chart. Lover's Lane. It could there be. Oh, yes. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Lover's Lane. Exactly. For all your male thong needs. Yeah. Um. Yep. So anyway, yes. Uh, episode five is coming out this Friday. I want everyone to check it out. Christy did an insanely awesome job. We're very pleased with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, some sad news. Well, actually, before we get into to to that. Uh, 
let's I want to talk real quick about your your musical uh endeavors. Yes. Talk to us about Crawford's daughter. Okay, sure. Um yeah, Crawford's daughter is my band uh that I formed about 10ish years ago. Um we do mostly covers, uh some originals, but we do a lot from um like um Fleetwood Mac, Little Big Town, Led Zeppelin, Pat Benatar, Heart, Lucinda Williams, Pretenders. Um, I love it. I love a lot of tight harmonies. Um, those are all right. I love my playing out. Tastes. I love those. Really? Yeah. I love um, you know rock, blue, a lot of seventies rock. Um, we do some blues, uh, some soul, uh, some Marvin Gaye, Al Green. Um, my guitar player and I have known each other for about 17 years, Rich and I. Uh, so we, we've just learned to really follow each other and just kind of harmonize even on songs that we, if we just pull it out of the archives that we haven't done in forever, we'll just um, work it out pretty, pretty seamlessly because we've worked together for so long. And he has a very high voice and I have a very low voice. So he often sings the high harmonies and I sing oh, the low. That so works it's kind well. of an interesting dynamic. Yeah, but he's phenomenal. Um, of course, we had a whole our whole festival season this this year was just canceled, um, as everyone's season was canceled, you know. Right. But uh, so, um, but I love it. I just I love it. I'll be booking gigs until you know nobody wants to see me anymore. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I love so it. I can't make I it love it. Stage. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I love it, and um, one of the reasons also that I'm I'm kind of grateful to my friend Veronica, the bride, that asked me to learn that song and pick up the guitar again, is I'm working towards um, getting about a half hour of a set of acoustic songs ready to go, so um, I can start working that into the band as well. So that's to kind of awesome. get out of my comfort zone and not just sing but play guitar as well. So that's yeah. the goal. Now, did you, yeah. have you, have you played music for most of your life then? Yeah. Um, well I did. So I've been singing since I was a kid. I was in choir every day of my life from fifth grade through college. Um, and then I started doing some musical theater, um, in my twenties in college, well, high school. And then, um, and in, in my twenties. I did musical theater and then I started branching out into bands when I was about 29 or 30 and um and I I've been doing that for a very long time um uh so I I prefer being in a band than musical theater um I was just talking to my significant other Frank about there are some musicals I like but not too many because I can't get past the fact that in real life somebody's just not going to break out into song right I mean, here's you know my thing. Mean? Oh, I know what you mean. I can't stand musicals. Except, oh, wait a second. Except Doug, for is this one. Is this something you hate? Do you hate musicals? Yes. Guys. Yes. Stuff is stupid. Stuff is dumb. Doug hates stuff. Doug hates stuff, guys. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> I did not know that was going to happen. A, this is a new segment that every time <laughs> Doug talks about something he hates, we have a theme song now. <laughs> All right. So, Doug, tell us, about, tell us about the new thing you hate. So this is what you were saying was something you didn't want uh, you didn't want me to know about. Cool. There you go. Uh, yeah, I don't like musicals, mostly for that reason. Like, I can't uh, I can't I can't really um, get on the fact with like right now, my daughter, 
is watching this show on uh, Disney Plus called Elena of Avalor. And I have to give him credit, man. Every single 30-minute episode has a song, a very, like, specific song for that episode. And every, every episode they break out, and it's like... You start hearing the music come on. It's like a really like there's some of these are really a heartfelt moments, and they're like, now let's sing mm-hmm. about this moment. It's like this right. evil sorceress killed my parents, and I'm gonna sing a song in heart two part harmony about how this happened, and like while they're about to, I'm just like it, it it pulls me out of the moment, and I love music, but I you know there's it's one of my right. one of the musicals for some reason I like is Newsies. Like, it's the only one I like. It's the same thing. These rough and tumble kids in the early 1900s in New York, you know, they're like, all of a sudden they break out in these amazing dance moves. They'll fight each other for their own territory to sell newspapers, but then they'll also sing about how they're the kings of New York, you know, and all this sort of stuff. It's just like, it breaks me out of the moment. I mean, I totally get the idea of it's suspension of disbelief. I mean, I understand that. I've done theater for a long time, (laughs) but there's just something about it where... You know, and the thing is, when I did musical theater, I kept getting cast as the same role in the same musical. <laughs> that, um, I'm sure which was that great, definitely but, makes it more difficult to stomach. You know, which it's it's a great part, but um, it, it was Nancy and Oliver, so the lead woman in Oliver, who the saloon okay. singing prostitute who gets murdered. Very uplifting <laughs> role. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a great it's a great role. But I never, you know, fit into that genre of I'm the blonde ingenue and I'm I'm the soprano and I'm in love and I'm talking about my, you know, right. I was always like the 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 drug den woman or the prostitute or you know, which is you know fine work if you can get it. Um, me, musical theater wise, I was gonna say not actually but, being um, a drug den prostitute. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. But um, but once I got into bands, I thought this is what I'd really rather be doing so yeah and but then you know i love acting as well but i just kind of separate the two sure which one if you could and i know this is kind of like which one of your children do you love better but like if you could choose one over the like where where do you feel like your your heart really lies Mm. is it within acting or within music (laughs) you know for a long time i thought it was um singing um but now that in the last two years since I've gotten into doing film and on camera stuff, I mm-hmm. love it so much that I might have to lean towards acting. That's interesting. Hmm. I'm an actor who sings, singer who acts. I'm not sure. But in the past, um, especially in the last year and a half or so, uh, probably when we kicked off with our son's girlfriend, Jeff, that was one of my first acting uh, on camera projects that I'd ever done. Was it really? Um, and then I've been. Yeah, I'd only I'd done a feature film two months before that, and that was about it. Um, but I've been doing it fairly consistently, and luckily getting some work over quarantine and focusing on nice. that. And I got my reel done, and just I, I I'm so immersed in that now, and so I've had to put music on the back burner because all, our gigs have been canceled. You know, right? So I've I've had a chance to focus more on voice work and um and film stuff. So. I don't know. It might change back to singing, you know, once we sure. get back in the swing of things. But yeah, I love them both. So that, yeah, I mean, like, it, and it's really hard to to separate the two. Like in high school, I was in a band as well, and at the time, I'm like, that's everything. I want to do this, and like, we could go someplace. We couldn't, but it was nice to think that. And then you know, I got into film, and I'm like, all right, no, this is actually really cool. So I I understand how that oscillates, you know, back and forth. Yeah. Doug, yeah. Were you yeah. ever it's in nice a band? To have options though. 
Yeah, I was you in a cover played... band in high school. And, you uh, were? Okay. Yeah. And man, I look back, I'm like, you know, I wonder if how things would have gone if we just would have practiced, you know? Like, uh, we just, you know, <laughs> we would show up and play. I mean, we were fine. I mean, I, I, it was one of those things where I practiced on my own, but we never practiced all together. Like, we were all, I, I, just, I think saying we were accomplished musicians is probably being pretty generous but um you know we all can play our instruments but we never practiced the stuff together because we just didn't have time and we didn't have a place to really do it like after school because a lot of us were in sports and everything and by the time we could practice it was like seven o'clock at night everyone's like yeah i live in rural missouri people are like shut up with that racket you know so we kind of just had to make do with what we had um you know and we had fun doing it and but it was always just a hobby it was always just something fun to do but we we were we were in, what, what did you play we did a lot of like early 2000s um pop punk and alternative rock stuff like blink 182 um some goldfinger um you know things of that nature so like we were okay. it was it was very fun silly you stuff guitar player i did i played guitar oh okay yeah Oh, so you're probably thinking, oh, time in a bottle. That was just easy, right? No, I taught myself how to play the guitar. So, like, I don't, you know, I don't know what chords are. I just, like, I know my hands in this position make a good sound. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you any of the chords or what they are. I just, I can play them, but I don't know what, I don't know music theory for anything. So, uh, yeah, see, that's wild. Yeah, I don't know any music. In fact, when, um, music theory, I, I can't wrap my brain around that. When when I played at that wedding and the guy who was running sound, he got a hold of me ahead of time and he said, so are you going to need a music stand? <laughs> um, and I said, no, I can't read music. I either know it or I don't. <laughs> I said, I'm just showing up. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I remember. I thought, There's no point in me looking at any sheet music. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Because I, I grew up playing piano and I was able to read sheet music and I did band in, in high school and stuff like that. But I it was just something like, I never really attached it in my brain. I was like, this is the things that I can play, but I never like ingrained it to the point where I could use it outside of those things that I was doing. I don't know if that makes sense, but like if I were to write my own sheet, like my own music for the sheet music, I I wouldn't be able to do it. And it was the same thing. Like I learned how to play a song and then I just knew it. And uh, when I was in grad school, I went to grad school for music business. Um, I remember one of my production teachers was saying, you know, you need to know music theory so you can speak the same language to every musician so that everyone knows how to communicate. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how to do that. Like, I have no clue how to be like, hey man, let's try this in like, I don't know, a different key. Well, what key? I don't know. What do you think sounds good? I mean, I like D, let's go with D. Do you know how to do that? Cause I don't. <laughs> do, you, do you know who else doesn't know how to read or didn't know how to read music? Eddie Van Halen. You know what? Good for him. <laughs> I did not realize that. I heard the whole Paul McCartney thing, but I didn't know Van Halen. <laughs> yeah, That's he said he didn't know. He created his own style, and and he never learned, and he just never knew how to how to read it. That's fascinating. Good for so, him. I yeah. I grew up. Uh, I grew up uh, playing trumpet and uh, in in the high school band, so I knew how to read music in the same way that like a six year old knows how to read a book. Like I could sound out the words. You know, I like you give me enough time, I could figure it out. But like the, I could never sit down like with a fresh sheet of music and go, all right, here we go, and then just spit it out. So like the minute that I stopped playing trumpet, like that all went out the window. Yeah. And uh, I I had guitar lessons for years, but then like the minute that they started to try to get into the theory of like, well, here's what the relative minor is. I went, nope, I'm out. Like, <laughs> don't even 
Yeah. I don't want to know that. I just I just really want to know how to play. <laughs> what does it all mean? Right. I just yeah, want to know how to play brain. most Dave Matthews songs in uh, in high school. <laughs> Teach me the fingering and that's all I need. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was something that someone just said in there that I was going to use to transition seamlessly. But instead, we're just going to do the transition sound. And talk about the uh, very sad passing this week of Mr. Sean Connery. Yeah. Died at 90 years old. 90? Was it 90? I think it was 90. I didn't realize he was 90. Yeah. Let me. Just I didn't realize he it. was 90. Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah he was Quick 90. Check. 90. Cool. Um, yeah, man. And I, I feel really bad the last phase, because Doug tell, has told this story before, but in, in case uh, Christy hasn't heard it, catch us up on like why he kind of retired out of acting. So, the again, I, I think this is verified somewhere, but my understanding is that um, he originally was up for the role in, in Morpheus in The Matrix, but when he read the script, he didn't understand it, so he passed. Matrix became a massive success and everything, and so he, I think he was kind of bummed out about that. And then he was also offered the role of Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, and once again, he read the script, and he didn't understand it. He didn't get it, so he passed on it. Lord of the Rings becomes a massive success. So then he's handed the script to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, he didn't get it. But having been, you know, sort of busted the last two times, he's like, all right, I'm going to do it. And it was not a very good movie. <laughs> it was not received well. And yeah. after that, uh, my understanding is he basically like sort of was like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> he just basically called basically, it quits after like, that. Really? There was like some quote where he's like, I don't understand Hollywood anymore. He's basically <laughs> like, I don't get how things are working. Like, I don't understand this. Because I mean, because imagine, imagine you don't know anything about Lord of the Rings. Or the, the like, the Matrix. You know, we we know it, it's part of our pop culture, but being presented with that and being like, wait, so someone's they're in a computer or what? I don't, you know, like not understanding that. And then Gandalf being when, when they jump, they'll they'll be suspended in air and go in slow motion in the somersault. What? Right. He knows yeah. kung fu. What does that mean? <laughs> like just weird, weird stuff. And then Gant, you know, Lord of the Rings is high fantasy. And he's just like. I, he had, what? Right. Orcs? Urukai? What? I don't understand any of this. You know, it's just he, to be presented with these probably, things. <laughs> he probably had never ever had to work on a scene that would or on a set that required that many that much green screen, that much special effects, because up to that point, most of what he done was practical, you know? Yeah. So that probably was just completely and then unfortunately he got his taste of special effects when it came to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. God, what a turd that movie was. Yeah, that movie's really bad. It's not good. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so that's why he stopped acting, which was which was kind of a bummer because I I really enjoyed Sean Connery. Um, what I, personally, my one of my favorites is The Rock. I that is such a guilty pleasure movie that if that's on, things are stopping, and Justin's watching that movie. <laughs> what is what like? What are your guys' Sean the Connery rock. picks? If you could, The Rock. Uh, no, no, I was just repeating. I, mm. I have not seen that, but I um, I liked him in The Untouchables and Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Yes. And that man just exudes class, just mm -hmm. drips of class. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, 90 years old, he had a good run. I really, I'm really surprised by that. Um, 
revelation about about how you just made some bad decisions on scripts and that's why he got out of acting that's actually kind of sad right yeah i it's just you think about yeah. everything he's done you know from like james bond through what was that one zardoz when he was in a, a thong you know um there you know you he'd been through some weird shit and uh you know to kind of come to the point where everything that was really popular to feel that disconnected must really suck to be like right. i don't understand what this is and i don't know i don't know what to really put myself behind um but i mean you know someone mentioned this in the <laughs> jared mentioned this in the chat he's like imagine the matrix with will smith and sean connery like imagine him in some of these prolific roles you know lawrence fishburne did amazing you know obviously ian mckellen does great as Gandalf. but imagine just for a moment sean connery just being like right? you know <laughs> imagine <laughs> indiana jones's dad right <laughs> Being that that mentor, you know, that right. like, I mean, obviously him doing any of the sort of the physicality stuff, like I think it'd be hard to see, you know, it'd be like Liam Neeson and Taken, it'd be a lot of quick cuts, you know, it's like he's not really doing this, but. Right. Um... <laughs> well, I just recently read that uh, Will Smith was supposed to be in that in the matrix and he turned it down and he just kicked himself because right, he did yeah. what Wild Wild West instead. Yeah, I think he that's did. right. Yeah, you're right. That's right. I, Will Smith was supposed I, to be in that. I just caught that on like a TBS USA type thing, and oh boy, yeah, it's just what I remembered. Kenneth Branagh's yeah. in Wild Wild West too. I mean, that guy's <laughs> a Shakespearean actor and director. I mean, that guy. <laughs> so he was misled. Stuff. Yeah, I think they Did all. Did he fire his agent or what? <laughs> well, I mean, I think he made a lot of money. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, that, that yeah. third that third mansion he bought in Miami or whatever probably, you know. Probably made up for it. You know, kind of, Christy, going back yeah. to, you know, sort of your, your background in acting, I mean, it, it, if you were handed a role that was like, hey, look, we think this is going to be pretty hot. Like, this seems like it's going to be a really great role, and you don't have to play a prostitute in a drug den. Like, this could be something that's okay. pretty amazing. Um, and you look at it, you don't get it, or you look at it, it feels, it feels very cliche, it feels very tropey, but... You know, everyone's like, hey, this could be really good versus something that like you're super passionate about. Right. Like if you I, I, want to try to get it as like something that looks like an obvious payday or has a high potential for a payday versus something that, you know, you're very interested in. Like what would what would you rather do something for the payday or something that you're like, hey, this seems like it's my cup of tea. Um, if I had to choose between the two, like they were filming at the same time and I couldn't try to finagle to do both um god well since i i mean even though i'm an older actress i'm just starting out in film i would probably um even though my heart would want to do the thing i'm passionate about i'd have to get that one film in there that's going to keep my payday coming so then i can finance my life to do my other stuff yeah do the smaller indie projects uh, Frank and I, my boyfriend and I talk about that a lot. He's like, God, just get that one good voiceover, you know, or that one good thing that just gets those residuals coming in and then have that, you know, have the financial part set and then you can really hone in on the stuff you want to do. I mean, you know, uh, it, it just seems to make more sense to me. And hopefully you, and once you're in that position, you can create the roles that you really want to play. Yeah. I think you're right. I, you know there's I mean? so many stories about that, like Glenn Close in Guardians of the Galaxy. She's like, that basically allowed me to do whatever I wanted. You know, not that 
that movie's awful right. or anything, but she obviously wasn't passionate about it. Um, right. but she's like, cool, I got this huge payday. Now I can do what I want. You know, like, <laughs> I don't have you to. Act, right. <laughs> you hear actors all the time talk about the one for them, one for me thing where they're like, I'll do one for the studio. And then they've, then we've baked right. it into the contract where like now they get, now I get to bring them one and they have to green light it or something. So yeah. I, I, but I think yeah. too, like we've seen a lot of people go with, I mean, Robert Pattinson is one of those, uh, as we've talked about yeah. the Robert Pattinson, Daniel Craig, Elijah Wood thing, where all of them were part of these giant tentpole franchises making huge, huge money. And then they all were, they had all that money and then they were able to just go, okay, now I get to choose literally anything I want, you know? So like that, right. it seems like a really, a really logical way to go. But if you can stomach doing that big, that big payday tentpole movie. Yeah. 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 I just think of my dream. I mean, I like those gritty kind of, um, films like you know i loved i loved charlie theron and monster i think patty jenkins now now patty is interesting because patty jenkins um the director you know she did monster and then she also did wonder woman yeah so right. she has the best of both worlds right yeah um um and then another director i love is uh jean-marc valet who directed dallas buyers club oh right okay I love that film. I love it. I think it's brilliant. I thought Jared Leto and Matthew McConaughey were absolutely incredible. And I loved the editing. I loved the directing. I loved the music. I loved everything about it. But, um, you know, being faced with something like that, I mean, of course, that ended up making a ton of money. But if you look at it from sort of a, you know, um, standpoint of what you're passionate about as opposed to one of those big, you know, Lord of the Rings Matrix franchises. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I would love to do something like Dallas Buyers Club. You know, absolutely. That at that brought that that weight to to his career. Like where you're just like he he made that what could be looked at as like a an indie film or a passion project or whatever. And he for he Matthew brought, McConaughey. No, for uh, for uh, Jean Marc Vallée. Like like he. Oh, Jean Marc like, Vallée. Okay. Yeah, like that. Like that. Like he took something that could have been looked at as like maybe a, like a, a smaller, not a big tentpole. And he made it so grounded and so like robust that basically people couldn't ignore it. And he had, you got these, you know, uh, award after award, one Academy award for, you know, best actor leading role and all that. Like it really, it really solidified, you know, um, his ability to, you know, to, to work in that, in that medium. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I think what's favorite of mine. I think what's tough too is like being stuck. Sorry, real quick. He, budget sorry, was five million dollars, so that <laughs> definitely could be considered an indie film, and it grossed fifty-five million at the box office. So it made money, and yeah. it got some account, was bu budgeted at five million dollars. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, that's uh, wild. The film won the award for best makeup, hairstyling, uh, nominations for best picture, best screenplay, and best editing. Like, yeah. Best supporting actor, like yeah, like the accolades of this movie were ridiculous. Best use of anyway. budget in a major motion film. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, and I gotta tell you. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Were you gonna say something, Doug? No, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Um, when I saw the previews for Dallas Buyers Club, you know, well before it came out, we we were at the movies and I saw it and I thought, oh, this looks interesting. And all I thought about was uh, the style of the movie and Matthew McConaughey was in it. I forgot 
nothing else was in it, right? Mm-hmm. And so we go to see it, and I we you know the character of um, Rayon comes in, Jared Leto's transgender character, and I remember recalling that I thought, gosh, this person looks familiar to me, and I leaned over to Frank and I said. I was so into this film and and so enthralled by everybody in it that I leaned over to him and I said, wow, I said, this young actor is really going to go places. (laughs) This is a great (laughs) role for this person. I actually said that. I'm like, wow, I'm so excited for this actor. I can't wait to find out who it is. And then at the credits roll and it said Jared Leto, I get the out. What? (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I missed that because I know who Jared Leto is. I love Jared Leto. Right. But I didn't even recognize him in that film. Yeah. And that's, that's only happened to me. That happened to me when I watched uh, Gary Oldman in um, True Romance. Sure. As Drexel. Mm-hmm. I love Gary Oldman. Had no clue that was him until the end of the movie. And Gary Oldman. those kinds of moments where I'm like, wow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Gary Oldman on more than one occasion has has lost himself in a character and has fooled me. Like uh, where I'll, or I'll have to go to the the IMDb or whatever. I'm like, oh shit, that was that was Gary Oldman. Okay, and usually it's somewhere in the voice yeah. you can tell or the eyes. But he's he Jared Leto. There's a few people who definitely just can sink, just disappear into a character, and it's it's amazing to watch. Yeah, yeah. I think the time that happened to me was uh, obviously Heath Ledger's The Joker and The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, I don't even see Heath Ledger. And then the other one, uh, it's a random one. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Nightcrawler. I don't know if either of you have oh, seen that yeah. one. I just I rewatched that the other day. Yeah, that that was when I oh, watched. I'm like, I'm like, I don't even know if this is. I, I this is. I forgot this was. I was watching Jake Gyllenhaal. Like it was very. It's a. It's it's not one of those movies I'm running back to rewatch because it's kind of heavy. But <laughs> it's heavy. But man, he, he. You know, another another role where you know he lost like forty pounds, and when when he loses forty pounds, his face is so sunken in but his eyes are just like bulgy just bugged out which gave him this creepy and then he would smile you know just this creepy smile it was really effective yeah he's pretty amazing too he's yeah. pretty amazing too yeah it's a great yeah, one J- jake gyllenhaal is an actor who i always it, it's i i really like him but he's never at the front of my mind when i think of like you you go through that like oh who would I cast in this role or something I never he's never at the front of my mind but every time I've seen him in a film I've been I've been blown away by by what he brings to it and his ability too to uh, his comedic ability have you guys seen the John Mulaney special uh, on Netflix the comedy special he did called the um, was it the John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch? It was supposed to be like a '70s kid morning kids show. No, that he put together. It was hysterical, but Jake Gyllenhaal had a uh, a cameo in it, and I like he he commits himself to the bit, no matter how stupid he's gonna look, and I respect the hell out of him for it. I would strongly recommend just looking up the clip on YouTube. What's okay. it called again? It's called, I think it's called John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch. It's on okay. Netflix. Um, it's It was Mulaney's most recent special that he put together. Uh, it was very funny, but again, Gyllenhaal was a, a unexpected cameo and very welcome. Very, very welcome. <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. He's fantastic. I'm a big fan of his sister as well, Maggie. Yes. 
Yes. Like she was someone that didn't get on my radar till much later, but like I think it was actually it was the Dark Knights. Mm-hmm. Was it the dark? It was the Dark Knight, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was the the yeah. first time that I really had like an awareness of her, and from that point, then I started. Then I started. No, I'm like, oh, like she's in all these other movies too, and she's just she's another powerhouse that I really enjoy. Or how about Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal and Donnie Darko playing brother and sister? Huh? <laughs> oh yeah, they were really young in that, right? Yeah, that's a phenomenal yeah. movie like, too. Really young in that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, that's interesting. Are, do you guys come from a family that has um, other performers? Do you come from a musician's family or actor family? My my dad was in a band uh, in the seventies. Um, he they were pretty like in the in the small town that he was in, they were like the band to play weddings or or something like that. So uh, I learned guitar from him initially, uh, but my mom should never I god I love her but she should never go anywhere near a stage or a musical instrument she's she, she does a, a wonderful job as a teacher and she's she found her strength and we'll say that uh that's my dad is really the only person in my family that's a performer of any sorts yeah i have no idea where i get my performance from because my both my parents are teachers uh the dad was a collegiate coach and teacher mom was a uh at risk reading teacher um I don't know where I got it from, but I got it. So, <laughs> what do you She's come an from? A risk reading teacher. Yeah. So basically, she would get a kindergarten through second grade. These kids basically that didn't know how to read, and essentially, if they didn't uh, pass her class, they would go into like the uh, learning disabled classes. So she was sort of like oh, the last, okay. last, last uh, line of defense against that. So, yeah, okay. definitely. Uh, you know, Slotty says in the in the the. Um, the chat here that you know teaching is a is a type of performance i i've also done corporate training and things like that so yeah there's definitely a level of performance mm-hmm. to that but um you know i don't know i've always enjoyed uh you know that creative aspect of it but definitely uh my brother's pretty creative too but i don't know i don't know where it comes from but i'm happy i have it <laughs> yeah i don't have any i'm in my entire family tree both sides none of my cousins nobody um sings plays acts nothing um although my family's very supportive very supportive my my mom and dad are um my dad's 80 my mom's 79 they come out um almost to every gig oh that's awesome almost every gig um we've had some gigs lately uh but they haven't come out for those just because of quarantine and it's high risk and that kind of thing um but typically on a typical you know gig cycle uh they're just about every single one that's awesome um yeah it's great my sister and i um we're about three years apart. We look alike and we are absolutely polar opposite. Um, she would, you couldn't pay her to get on a stage. Um, yeah. Nobody sings, nobody does anything. So I always joke that I'm the apple that fell off the family tree into another yeah. yard. But, uh, yeah, the, the same goes for my right. sister. She, she played piano when she was growing up, but like, she never, never sought out the spotlight, never wanted to, put what she made like out there, like, you know, like, like a filmmaker does, like a musician does like yourself. Like it was, it was very, she was happy to have, uh, you know, close circle of friends, but never really wanted the spotlight. And so I can, I I can relate to that uh, where you're just like, how are we siblings? Because we're so, so, so different. 
Yeah. That's yeah, my dad, I'm really lucky. My dad could basically be our band manager because uh, ever since my dad, uh, we got him a laptop about 10 years ago when he had had surgery and my sister and I were like, you know, you should get on Facebook, dad, give you something to do. <laughs> he can't get off Facebook now. And it's great because he spends his time looking up, he'll look up other bands that are similar to us and then look on their website to see where they're playing. And then almost every day he'll send me a link to a new bar or a brewery or a festival or a booking agent. And he'll say, well, they're playing there. You should play there too. That's so cool. half the places I have found are through work. My dad has done by researching um, on the internet. That's amazing. So, and yeah, we talk just, my parents and I talk almost every night, talk to him actually just before I got on this call. And, uh, but yeah, he loves movies. We always talk about movies and he's always asking me, you know, what audition I have coming up, you know, just everything. He's super involved, which yeah. I'm really lucky. Do you really think lucky, he would be so. as involved in your music if he didn't like the music you played? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He'd come out to everything. <laughs> That's I'm awesome. Sure. That's a true. I mean, I think he generally does like the music we play, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, and he's told me before, like, um, you know, when I was in another band, like an oldies band, you know, he, I guess he gets into that music a little bit more than Crawford's daughter. And he has mm -hmm. said that, but he still comes to Crawford's daughter gigs, you know, that's really cool. Uh, so I think he's honest, but, um, oh yeah, we talk movies all the time and yeah, it's great. That's, that was going to be a, a follow up I had to that too, is that does he give you honest feedback? Because I feel like that's such a hard thing to get from close friends and family is because as an, as an artist, you're like, I, I want you to be brutally honest about what do you think of this so I can improve upon it if it needs that? And from my family, I they're, they're so supportive, but all I ever get is, oh, this is so good. You're doing such a good job. And I'm like, not everything I do is right. good. You, it, can't, it just can't. To be. me, that sounds <laughs> like I don't understand impossible. what you do, but I love you. That's what it sounds that's, like to me. That's yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah, so I mean, hard I to get honest feedback. It is. And I think my dad, um, I mean, I've said before, like, oh my God, I totally screwed up that line. And, and, and he might be like, oh, you'll get it next time. Or you'll, you know what I mean? Or just supportive. But, um, you know, I, I, um, I think he's mostly, well, he's always supportive, but I think he's, he tries to be as honest as he can. Um, but yeah, there've been times where I'm just like, man, I really screwed that up. And he's like, eh, it'll get better next time. You know what I mean? So I think he, yeah. he has that level of honesty. He's, he knows I'm not going to, you know, crawl into a hole and never perform again. So I always find it interesting. The artists who have family members who basically 100% don't know what they do or don't understand why they're famous, like comedians or something like that, where they've, uh, you know, they're like, Hey, what do your parents think about your act? They're like, Oh, they don't watch my act. Like they don't know right. anything about what I do. And like their parents, like they have this prolific, you know, comedian or whatever and they're like yeah they have they don't really understand what i do they love me but they're just like i don't know don't ask me what my kid does yeah he, he tells jokes but i don't know what they are and i don't you know <laughs> it's not my, my thing head. you know <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> so can i tell you that you sent me that link to baby shark mm. and uh now i can't unhear it oh no wait was this <laughs> the first time you'd heard that yeah, never knew it ever existed. So thanks. As a uh, musician, that. did that offend your sensibilities? <laughs> it didn't offend it. I just, I just, 
if, if I was a parent, now Doug, you have a child. I do. If, if I was a parent of a child that wanted to play that constantly, um, <laughs> I have scenarios in my head that I, I think I might have to stage that our house got robbed and our TV is gone or our phone, all of our electronics are gone, kid. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That was brutal. But you would ask me in the email um, about what song that I can't stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what, song your, that I, what would your torture song be? Absolutely Dire Straits Walk of Life. <laughs> really? <laughs> can't freaking stand it. Tell me, do you have do you have a reason why, or is it just kind of like an un something you can't put your finger on? I don't like what's his name? Mark Nop Nopfler? 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 Sure, that Voice. sounds right. Sure. Right. Is that his name? Yeah. Um, not a fan of his voice. Um, this just everything about it can't stand it. <laughs> just With a passion, like can't stand it. Yeah, Mark Knopfler. That's his name. Yeah. Uh, I'll be damned. That's yeah, so interesting. I did uh, see. I thought it was gonna be something like oh, the lamb chop song or something more. Like I didn't realize. I didn't ever think to you were gonna pull like an actual classic. I guess. Classic rock, is that? I, I think at this point rock. they are yeah. probably. You know? Early eighties. Yeah. I think it came out in like eighty three or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll call that classic. Not a fan. Rock. Beginning of MTV. Mark, if you're out there, I'm so sorry. But <laughs> I'm sure you're a lovely you know. human being. <laughs> sure, we all have our gifts. Uh, yeah, right. I guess I'm just not appreciating Mark's. But I just, I don't know. I'm not a fan of Dire Straits. Not a fan. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, for those uh, for those wondering, uh, what we're talking about here is Baby Shark is now the most watched video on YouTube ever. So you're welcome for that. You all made that happen. Um, and there's an Oklahoma prison where it is now being used as torture for for inmates. Um, I would say that's cruel, unusual, but you know, to each their own. And for uh, the record, that song has been viewed over seven billion times. So that's. <sighs> the record we're talking about here like it's yeah it's awful and i remember this song fortunately didn't take over my household it's something that my daughter was aware of they played it at her daycare and things like that and you know she's familiar with it but it wasn't one of those things where it she became obsessed with it thankfully there's so many things that like come by that i'm like oh please don't let this latch on like american girl catalog came by oh, yeah. and we were like in the yeah. in the oh. recycling in the recycling yeah. don't let her see it like because i just i'm like i don't want <laughs> I, it's bad enough where she watches these shows on disney plus there's this thing called uh minnie's uh was it minnie's a boutique it's like she owes this little like bow shop and they're little shorts they're like two minutes long two minute long episodes and you'd be like oh that's not that big of a deal but the theme song to it is like 25 to 30 seconds and you can't skip the theme song because the episodes are so short so all you hear is the theme song to Minnie's Boutique over (laughs) and over Uh, and over and she can burn through like all of the episodes in like an hour and then she starts them over it got to the point where I'm like no we can't watch this. Like we can't. This is it's it's awful. This because then we'll sit there like going, ha, 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 ha. we're singing. They're humming the theme song. And we're like, welcome <laughs> to Manny's Boutique. And we're just singing it around the house. I'm like, oh god, make it stop. <laughs> now, how old is she? She's uh, four and a half. Oh, that's yeah. a cute age though. Old enough she to is know better. One of the cutest kids you've ever seen too. 
Um, my my torture sh- song would probably be uh, "Summer Girls" by LFO. <laughs> I can't. As, as, as long as nope, I've known you, this has been this has been the topic. As long as I've known you, it was a weird like was it? It was late nineties or early two thousand. I can't remember. Right around late, that time okay, period. It was nineteen ninety nine. Here we go. Yes. But it is it is the dumbest. So like you listen to that song and you end up stupider than when you went in. It is mind-numbingly horrible. Um, <laughs> I, I I think all of them should be arrested for ever having put that up into the ether. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, in the in the chat, the someone. Prison, get... the... No, go ahead. The people of the prison they were charged, right? For the torture song, they got I a wonder, misdemeanor was that, charge against them. Was that LFO that was in prison being tortured by Baby Shark? Maybe the maybe the the band LFO is in prison in Oklahoma and they're being tortured by Baby Shark. <laughs> that would be poetic for me. So, just in case you're not familiar That's- with this song. Christy, I'm gonna read. I'm just gonna read some of the lyrics for you, just so you get an idea of what. Oh, I'm not. Maybe I'll get inspired to write my own lyrics. Here you go. I mean, as you read, can't get better than Baby Shark. As you read this, just consider that maybe an AI wrote this. Who knows? You know. Doug, as you read this, I'm gonna play (laughs) fart sound effects over all of it. (laughs) Yeah, I like it when the girls stop by in the summer. Do you remember? Do you remember? When we met last summer, New Kids on the Block had a bunch of hits. Chinese food makes me sick. And I think it's fly when girls stop by for the summer. For the summer. I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. I'd take her if I had one wish, because those two words rhyme. But since she's gone, since that summer, since that summer. Whew. It is gross. <laughs> That's deep. There's, That's there's like a, a line weird in there. Of conscious. <laughs> there's a line in there that just says, Macaulay Culkin was in Home Alone. Why? <laughs> why did they need to tell us that? <laughs> Fuck you, that's why. I also love it. Um, you buzz like a hornet. Billy Shakespeare wrote a whole bunch of sonnets. Like, these words don't rhyme, and they call him Billy Shakespeare. Like, it's really, it's not like, okay. You gotta say it right. Billy Shakespeare wrote a whole bunch of sornets. Sornets? Because <laughs> obviously they're from Boston, right? So from Billy sornets. Shakespeare wrote a whole bunch of sornets, right? Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what's I'm mind-boggling angry. to me is that people, there are people out there who have spent their life learning how to craft a brilliant song, come up with the perfect bridge and chorus and lyric, and then you've got Baby Shark storming the interwebs. Well, well the, the, the diabolical you know? part of it is it's it's the stuff that the kids like. The right. kids latch onto that. They sing it at school, and also parents are like, hey, I'm going to entertain you. Go watch. Go listen to this thing. Like, here's a tablet, you know, or here's my phone, and the kids just watch it over. And there's also so many different versions of it, too. Like, it's insane. And so I get, like, how it is that it's just... You hear those things and you realize that there is evil in the world because it is essentially the way that that gets stuck in your brain. That tune, it just edges its way in and you're just, you find yourself not being able to break out of it. It's like this is some combination of elements in our universe that should not be unlocked. So, and yet here it is. And it's like, great, now we're taking over your brain. So, congratulations. Well, you have more patience than I do. I'll fully admit that. I don't think I could 
think I'd be done. Oh, I, 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 <laughs> might, I mean, if there's an annoying toy around that makes a lot of noise, it just, you know, it disappears in the night and goes in the garbage. I mean, that's how it works for me. Like, I don't. What what it's happened? Oh, nice. it's gone. It's just that's where I got my mom in my in me because my mom, she's diabolical too. She uh, my dad listened to like a lot of things like Meatloaf in particular. She he loved Meatloaf like Bad Out of Hell like that was one of his favorite albums. My mom didn't like it. Wouldn't you know it? One day the cassette tape just vanished from the car, <laughs> and my dad was like, "Where to go?" She's like, "I don't know." And she told us, of course, when we were kids, we told my dad that he goes, "I knew it." I knew she threw it away. But that's just like, that's kind of mean too, right? You know, you don't like someone else's music, so you throw it away. I mean, that's kind of, that's some. So didn't he just go out and buy another cassette? I think he was afraid it would get lost again, you know? So it was almost oh. like, you know, setting, you know, uh, a dead fish wrapped in, you know, cloth. It's like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a message. Meatloaf sleeps with the fishes, you know? He, he pulls the, the sheets back in the morning and the tape has been unraveled and just piled next to him in right. the bed. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's a message. You gotta get your pencil and start twirling that that uh, tape back in there. Maybe you guys are too young for that, but that's oh, what I, I remember had to do that in absolutely. My youth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had oh, I had yeah. uh, my prized possession was Michael Jackson's bad on tape. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, not bad. I had that on tape. It was dangerous. The album, da- ah, the album, dangerous. Gotcha. Dangerous. That one. Yeah. Oh man, all day, <laughs> all day. Wore out that tape. I wore out that tape. Absolutely. And it started with the skit of a young man playing a tape. I remember to, that as an fu to his father. I was like, yeah. no, this is meta. I like this. Yeah. 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 What was the you. what yeah. was the song? God, I Growing up, what was the one one of the ones that you guys played just like relentlessly? <clears throat> I definitely there's um, songs that are burnt any out for me. Any music at all or cassette tape? Uh, any music at all. Like what was like that? Well, I guess for me that specifically that was cassette tape. I've got others and other mediums, but like what was a, a song or album that you like was definitely always in your whatever player it was. Hmm. I know, I know. It's funny because some of that stuff, like, I don't have fond memories of it. Like, I can't listen to the music anymore because it's gotten burnt out. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them is, I mean, anything Metallica because I played football and whatever. Everyone always had that in the weight room and everyone was like, this is a song. We, I, was just, I got so burnt out and I'm like, yeah, I understand, but I get it, you know. And uh, uh, I hear every time I hear it, I'm like, gross. Like, I don't think I'll ever like that stuff ever again. It just got so burnt out on it. So there's a lot of things that I, I listen to a ton. And then I'm almost scared to go back and listen to it because I want to make sure that I, I haven't ruined it. <laughs> but I know. Uh, yeah, I'm just like, do I still like this? Or or I'm also embarrassed that I liked it at any point in time. Like I did, at one point, I was really into Good Charlotte. And I pulled up some good start. I'm like, God, man, why did you like this? Like, this isn't that good. Like, this is really, really embarrassing that you like this. Um, I'd say for me, it was a lot of uh, Blink-182, Enema of the State, was uh, was a big album for me. Because that's actually how I learned how to play guitar, is I played along to that yeah. album. And I learned by playing those songs over and over again. So, like, that, that's, that's an album that I definitely, I, I wore that CD out, that's for sure. I would have to say uh, Soundgarden, Super Unknown. Mm. Nice. Yeah, Black Hole Sun was another one of those songs where I'm like, I don't need to hear that song ever again. I'm good. I've heard, I've reached my capacity. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, uh, There's a lot of good stuff on that album that was never played on the radio. Yeah. Um, a lot of good, uh, yeah, a lot of good deep cuts. Really I still, album. Black Hole Sun is still one that I don't care how many times I hear it. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I, don't, I don't think I'll ever tire of that song. I yeah. should go back and listen to some of the early, uh, like the full albums of some of those some of those bands back that's in the day. That's fun to do. Like just to you know, sometimes when I'm working, I'm like, you know what? Oh, this band just popped in my head. I'm like, let me go see if I can find this stuff again, and we'll just we'll see how it is. A lot of it, I'm like, oh, I think I've just to say I've grown past it makes it seem like it's it's for children, but it's not. It's just something that I'm not into anymore. Like some music, yeah. you just you, you kind of just like, oh yeah, this spoke to me at this very specific time in my life, and now I'm like, eh, it doesn't have any meaning to me anymore, just because. It's just it's not what I'm into. So yeah, I'm really I'm gonna pat myself on the back right now because I've gotten a lot more accepting of music. I used to be a real dickhead about it. I used to be like, well, where's the applause button? Where's yeah. the cheering? Yeah, where's my cheering? Sorry, <laughs> right, I was asleep at the wheel on that one. It's so funny because we were thinking about torture songs. If you would have asked me when I was 18, I'd be like, anything country. You know, I'm like country sucks. And I've got to the point now where I'm like, I accept it. I don't like country, but I'm accepting it because I'm like, I get why people like it. Like it's, yeah, it makes sense to me. It's not my cup of tea, but I get it. I'm not as anti like some of these genres as I used to be. I'm just like, I'm more or less, I understand that it, some people it's, it really works because there's nothing worse than you yourself really being into a song or a band and you like, you know, just very graciously giving this to someone else. Like, I would like you to click on this link and hear this song that means the world to me. And the other person clicks on it and they're like, right. yeah, I guess it's okay. And they're like, no, you don't understand <laughs> this song. You're like, yeah, I get it. It's just, it just doesn't work for me. Like, it's, it's not my thing. So I've gotten really specific. I'm like, I will share this with you. It will probably not have the same impact on you that it has had on me. But maybe you can appreciate where I'm coming from with it. But I'm not going to be like, what do you mean it didn't blow your mind? What do you mean? Like, why don't you feel like, you know, why aren't you feeling what I'm feeling right now? When Doug shares things like that with me, it's hysterical because it comes with like a paragraph disclaimer of like caveats of like, hey, yeah. check this out. I thought this was cool. Here's what it meant to me. I'm opening my soul to you. But, you know, if you don't like it, that's cool. Whatever. Like, yeah. it's, it's so tender. I'm like, it's okay, man. It's, I'll, I'll probably like it. It's like me trying to make up for my past mistakes is what I'm trying to do, I guess. <laughs> It, it makes sense though because things like that are so like you attach such specific if it's an older song you attach those specific memories or or fond fond um emotions yeah. to it and if it's a newer one like it might tug at a like there's certain new ones that you and I have taught now that you're a father there's certain ones that you've heard and you're like oh boy I got all the feels and so like there's something really special about that so to share it it is kind of like you're bearing a piece of your soul to someone yeah it's like anything you recommend, though, like a movie or a TV show. Like, I got to the point whenever my mom recommends something, I'm like, cool, I don't need to watch that. Because her and I, our tastes are so different. She's like, you have to watch it. And I'm like, I won't then if I have to, because I'm not going to like it, probably. Because I don't agree with the way that you... <laughs> I don't have the same uh, likes and dislikes uh, as, as you do. So I, I also take that with a grain of salt, because I've had people suggest things to me, and I'm like, that's just not... Like video games, like you gotta try this game. I'm like, it's not the kind of game that I like to play. I'm sure it's great, but I mean, I'll watch you play it, but I don't want to play it. It's not my, it's not my style of stuff. So I think it's, you know, I, I just, I'm happy I've gotten to a little bit better place with that. Where if I'm recommending something, I absolutely want 
someone to watch it, but I'm also under the thing of like, well, it's probably not someone's, it may not be what they're into. So if they're, you know, like I want Justin to watch the movie Hereditary. He doesn't really like scary movies. He's not into it. I'm like, that's cool. I'd love to talk to you about it because I'm, I might watch it. I watched <laughs> Midsummer today. Oh yeah. What'd you think? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. That one. How about you, Christy? You seen either Hereditary so like, or Midsummer? You don't like scary movies? I have not seen Hereditary. I heard of it. Um, I think it, I had it on my uh, list of, of, you know, movies to see because I do like scary movies. I do like thrillers. But so, Justin, you don't like scary movies at all, or just <clears throat> gory movies, or I, I tend, th- uh, you know, supernatural. Or I tend to steer clear of of anything labeled a like a horror movie. Uh, the gore, like the torture porn kind of stuff, like. You can keep that. I don't really find I don't, it doesn't do anything for me. I don't really find it that entertaining or engaging. It's also the older I've gotten, the the harder it is for me to stomach it. Uh, thrillers and suspense and supernatural, very much okay with those. The the um, hereditary initially, I viewed it or it was pitched to me or whatever as like a, a, a horror movie or one of those like really scary movies. Based off of what Midsummer was, which is the same director, I feel like I could definitely, I feel like I definitely be able to handle Hereditary. Now, it's definitely so. spookier okay. than Midsummer. <laughs> Maybe not then. I'm telling you, Midsummer was like a breath of fresh air. I'm like, okay, this isn't that. I th- I expected it to be really intense. I'm like, oh, I think Hereditary's spookier. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Okay, yeah, so you're to, you're. I'm gonna have to watch that. You're yeah. definitely into horror movies then. Yeah, well, I I don't like I'm not into the gore just for the sake of gore like Saw and Hostel. Yeah, you know those are a bit much. I don't need that. Um, but I liked you know movies like um, Orphan. God, do you remember that movie Orphan came out like ten years ago with with Vera Farmiga? Farmiga. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I, know, I never know if I say her no, name right. And uh, Peter Peter Skarsgård, who I love. Um, that was a great movie. Um. You know, I love The Exorcist. I love anything about the supernatural. Uh, David David Cronenberg's mm. movie The Brood. God, I don't know if I've seen that one. That I came like Cronenberg out in 1979. though. See The Brood. That is okay. creepy as all get out. That's one movie I'll never ever forget. Um, oh, this is Drew's worst nightmare. Yeah, it has children. <laughs> He's terrified of kids <laughs> in scary movies, or just kids in general, really. Oh, really? Oh, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> tell him to watch it, but don't tell him it's supposed to be really scary. Tell him it's really funny at the end. Right. <laughs> it's a horror comedy from the 70s. It's not funny at the end. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'll never ever forget that movie. Mm-mm. That's amazing. But yeah, so I do like I do like that stuff. What a, what about it do you like? Cuz I think for me the what I struggle the most with is is um I mean, I like a I like a good jump scare, but like, there's something about two hours of just being on the edge of your seat. Like, I just can't can't handle that. I don't know. I like it, even as a kid. You know what? This this is, I guess, strange saying it out loud, but I I was never really into kid movies. Like, my, one of my favorite movies as a child was The Shining, and I knew every <laughs> word. Nice. Ah, really. Yeah, like um, my dad and I both like Jack Nicholson, and um, and uh, so we could just—I loved his movies. So as a ten-year-old kid, 
I knew that entire scene where he's going up the stairway with the axe chasing Wendy. And I knew the dialogue back and forth. And I was really into movies. So I'd watch movies over and over and over. And I'd memorize things. And then I'd go to school and recite dialogue. (laughs) And um, I'm sure my mother was like, what are we going to do with her? You know? But, um, (laughs) But I don't know. Just even as a kid, I've always really liked horror movies. But then... Um, but then I'd scare myself, you know, I, and then I watched The Brood on HBO and couldn't sleep because <laughs> that was creepy as hell. But I'd still want to watch them again. So I've just always had a love of, of scary movies. So That's and that really has not gone away. So yeah, speaking of, have psychotic, you seen uh, you know, however you want to look if at you it. love the show, have you seen Dr. Sleep, the sequel? No, I have not. And you know what? You're the third person this week that has asked me that because um Around how uh, last Thursday or the week before Thursday, we were supposed to go to the theater actually and see The Shining on the big screen. Um, but my dog got sick and we ended Aww. up not leaving the house. And um, but uh, yeah, so that was that was being replayed out on on big screens, which would have been really cool. Yeah, I definitely uh, recommend Doctor Sleep. It's a really great movie, and it's it it. It, it's the sequel to the movie The Shining because obviously there's the Stephen King book, which varies differently from right. uh, Kubrick's film, and this, and obviously the sequel, book sequel, falls closely to the book. So this is a really nice. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I thought it was really well done, and uh, it it does it definitely okay. is. Um, it has some very great reminiscent scenes from from The Shining from the first movie. So if you're a big fan of the original, I I think. You'll like Doctor Sleep. It's got Ewan McGregor in it and some really great actors, and it's. I think it's really great. It's it's one of those movies that okay. was uh, a bit of a sleeper, if you will, uh, when it came out. Hey. Like not many, it, it got pretty good reviews, but it didn't get a lot of buzz. And thank you. Okay. Um, I I think it's really really good. I highly recommend it. Good. Well, good. I have a, a list here of things I need to be watching. Nice. On the, uh, on my gigless nights, so. <laughs> I need to do something with my weekends. That's right. There's, there's a, uh, one more horror film that I would say that you should add to that list, and it's uh, it's one that I try okay. to watch every week, and it is uh, it's known as the Throwdown. Welcome to the Throwdown. Yeah. Oh yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we've entered the Throwdown. So this week we've got a uh, very topical Throwdown. Doug, would you like to uh, cue up your voice modulator? Oh, thank you. All right. Hold on. Okay, I'm ready. Hit me with it. Ready? Yes. All right, here we go. The throwdown this week. This week's throwdown is Sean Connery's James Bond versus Roger Moore's James Bond. Decisions, decisions. Right? (laughs) So that's what it is. Hold on. Someone make a note. Text me. I need to do a fanfare, like a ba-bam kind of thing. I feel, that's the sound effect. I keep fucking forgetting every week. And I got to remember. The, yay! We've got the kiss no. cheering. Yeah, but we use that afterwards. Fair we can't much. overuse it. That's fair. Good enough. Anyway, or I could just do... That could be the one. <laughs> We're technically only allowed to play the first second of Headstrong by Trap, and we play it as often as we can. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh... <laughs> So, oh, it never um, gets old. It never gets old. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we're doing a, a James Bond throwdown. It's going to be Sean Connery's James Bond versus 
Roger Moore's James Bond. Now, Christy, how uh, versed how how versed in James Bond lore are you? Um, not very, not okay. very. The ones I've seen, I've seen some Pierce Brosnan, Brosnan, uh, Goldeneye. Sure. Right. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, yeah. So not not too not too. I mean, I know who both of those actors are, and Perfect. and what um you know time period they were in. But that's sure. sure. I think I think this is i feel like it does you don't really need to know much about the james bonds i feel like this is going to be a relatively easy throwdown to decide but uh, i will open it up to to doug why don't you kick us off with the uh with the with the roundabout here uh so i'll be honest with you i'm as also not as big of a james bond fan like um i i never really was into the series but my understanding of these two sort of like comparing them is that uh <laughs> Roger Moore's James Bond are generally frowned upon by most folks. They got pretty kitschy. They were very much uh, very gadget-heavy sort of movies, whereas I think Sean Connery's, while it did have some gadgets and things of that nature, it was was a little more um, suave um, and a little more uh, less reliant on technology and things to kind of get them through. So, um, obviously, both of them thwart bad guys but as justin brought up you know in our production meeting last night uh, roger moore goes to space at one point in a movie to fight bad guys in space so um, well first he goes to the amazon and then from the amazon he takes a trip up to space (laughs) so there's that logical progression you know (laughs) amazon and then space yeah um so i think i mean my initial thought would be uh I, i think I think Sean Connery's Bond is the favorite here, in my my opinion, um, just because he gets so many more cool points, <laughs> just based on yeah. who he, how he was and how he operated. Whereas Roger Moore's, unfortunately, were just all I remember. All I remember from most of Roger Moore's is there's this very specific screenshot of him in sad sad clown makeup. Because apparently he was going undercover as a clown, and there's just this picture of him just being like, "Hmm," in sad clown makeup. I'm like, "That's that's that's not who James Bond is." So that's kind of like my that was, initial assessment. That was from the film Killer Clown. <laughs> James Bond is Killer Clown. Yeah, it's just I, it's very unsettling. <laughs> Christy, where do, where do you stand on this? What are your thoughts between these two? Well, um. Sean Connery, didn't he come back in 83 to do another film? He did. Right? Yes. Which I thought was, I think he should win some points just for being gutsy enough to do that. And I did read that he um, kind of played up the fact, or kind of had some self-deprecating humor where he had a toupee or something because he was older and he kind of played up the whole thing with, uh, right? Didn't I read that? I think you are correct on that. Yes. There was a yeah. toupee involved. And um, I mean, that's got to take a, you know, some confidence and a good sense of humor to be able to uh, leave the, the franchise for a bit, come back again and be confident enough to just take over the role again as an older actor. Yeah. So I got to give him props for that. Absolutely. And I just think, I just think that Sean Connery is a classy guy. I just think he's a classy guy. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I would say, for me, a gorilla's asshole has more sexual appeal than Roger Moore. I think he. Is, I don't understand 
how anyone is saying that he's like, oh, this debonair, sexy British spy. No, false.com. That is a hard stop. Also, he walks, he moves. He's about as agile as Frankenstein's monster. So to say that he's taken out people half his age that are like these like foot soldiers, uh, you know, in the whatever Cold War he's fight. No, absolutely not. He is just a horrible, horrible choice for this role as England's most debonair dashing spy. Uh, it's Sean all the way. Sean wins any debate about about James Bond. Sean Connery's the winner. Done. And I love Daniel Craig's James Bond. Love. But Sean Connery wins James Bond. I'll say this much. Roger Moore is a pretty dashing guy. You know, I think okay. it depends. I think it depends on. I mean, I'm looking at a photo right now. He's a good looking dude. I think it depends is it on him when. and a male thong, Doug. It's you know what? Uh, it looks good on him. It's sparkly. Right. It's got sequins. You know, you it it's right obviously his birthday. So can't we celebrate a guy wearing a sequin thong on his birthday? Here's the Justin. thing. As an actor, <laughs> I think he's fantastic. As a human being, fantastic. As James Bond. Go fuck yourself. No. Hey, man. Yeah, James Bond knows how to woo people, and he does it with a thong. Also, I was talking with Heg today, and he informed me that in uh, Cannonball Run, um, Roger Moore played a character Classic. who thought he was Roger Moore. <laughs> and I've got to give him credit. Like, that is amazing to play that role. Like, this character was like falsely remembering times on set as Roger Moore. It was amazing, apparently. So, like <laughs> Roger Moore, totally okay guy. I do not respect the James Bond he played. That's fair. In the I think yeah. that's a fair fair assessment. So, with the three of us weighing in like this, I feel like we have a pretty even consensus. Yes. We're yeah. saying shotgun. <laughs> Most definitely. Excellent. Good stuff. Well done. Uh, well, this was a real treat, Christy. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang oh, out with us. Oh, it was my pleasure. I had a great time, you guys. Awesome. It was a lot of fun. Well, before we go, uh, we'd like to take this moment to sort of give you the opportunity to talk about whatever you got going on, to promote your social medias, or even if you and or if you just want to recommend something, whether it's a TV show, uh, music, a book, uh, a movie, uh, the floor is yours. By all means, speak and let okay. everyone know what's going on. Great. Thank you. Um, well, uh, I just um, finished a film called Saturday Night Inside Out. And uh, we just finished that this, or I'm sorry, last month. And uh, I think it should be out by January. It's going to hit the festival circuit. Um, <clears throat> hopefully uh, I'll have some band gigs. Look for Crawford's Daughter, uh, crawfordsdaughter.com for gigs, hopefully starting in 2021. Um, and uh, I have another film, a short film called West Park that's hitting the festival circuit. And we're actually screening it on the 21st of this month at the Davis Theater in nice. Chicago. So I'm real excited about that. So um, we'll see where that goes. And um, uh, as far as something that I'm in really into right now, if you've not heard of the singer Shoshana Bean, have you heard of her? No. I had The reason I had musical theater on my mind early in our conversation is because recently I just started getting into um, this actress singer Shoshana Bean. She played Alphaba in Wicked and the lead character in the musical Waitress, but oh my God, this woman has the voice. I mean, she is a phenomenal uh, rock R&B 
uh, pop, um, you know, just soul singer. And she's absolutely phenomenal. If you check out any videos um, of her, Shoshana Bean, it's definitely, okay. she's under the radar. I had not heard of her before. But she's a Broadway actress and singer, and she's phenomenal. Definitely worth checking out. Wait, does she, she do a cover to I Want to Dance with Somebody? Cause I wouldn't be surprised. That's okay. Well, I know what I'm doing after <laughs> this is over. <laughs> um, if I had one to recommend, she does a duet with another Broadway singer. Her name is Cynthia Irvio. I think she's a British Broadway singer. Um, but they do a Taylor Swift cover called I Did Something Bad. I think that's what it's called. Yes, I, I see that. Bad. Yes. And they're both dressed in black and there's a cello and a violin behind them and that's it. Ooh. That's awesome. Freaking I love strings. Brilliant. That sounds awesome. Oh, brilliant. You'll be all over this. It, wow. I just Very discovered cool. it like yesterday. Okay. So yeah, that's what I would recommend. Well, I've got something to do after this podcast. Great recommendation. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Justin? Uh, I'm going to recommend the next season, third season, I believe, of My Next Guest Needs No Introduction is on Netflix. It's a David Letterman uh, interview talk show series um, where he does like an hour long extended interview and really dives into like it's 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 less interview and more conversation. And it's really cool. Um, I would recommend checking out season three, specifically the Dave Chappelle episode. Uh, to me, Dave Chappelle, I believe I feel he is one of the one of our our best thinkers currently i think he 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 ruminates on things and really like takes things apart and and, and kind of uh not, i don't want to say he's a philosopher by by any stretch of the imagination but he definitely has really really i think well done takes on a lot of things and he's a i think he's a very smart man so listening yeah. to letterman interview him was so awesome so so awesome um i would highly recommend that douglas nice. what do you got kind of in that same vein uh there's the documentary on showtime called the comedy store and oh, it's a so good multi-episode dive into uh what many consider to be the mecca of comedy at the comedy store uh you know comedy club out in la and it is amazing it's chock full of just interviews with all sorts of comedians and they they go into the store or to the history of the store and everything about it it's it's an amazing thing i, I think i don't know how many episodes are out i've watched four of them so far i don't know I how long four are currently to... out yeah i don't know how many more they got but yeah i don't know either but it's it's phenomenal so check that out it's on showtime it's just called the comedy store it's a fantastic documentary so by all means yeah. check that out so and then when you're yeah. done with that come check out mind gap on all our social medias at mind gap podcast also check out our youtube channel we post our post our full episodes there as well as highlights from our show as well as highlights from our video game streams and of course don't forget to check out the video game stream at 8 p.m central time saturdays at twitch.tv slash mind gap podcast and also uh be sure to check out justin online as well that's right, on Instagram and Twitter, at Justin underscore Michael, spelled M-I-K-E-L. It's the fun way of spelling it. And while you're in the online realm, check us out on... Spotify! And on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, all the podcast services. You can share us around, like, subscribe, rate, review, all those good things. The big one is sharing. Just copy the link, send it out there to your uh, crew. I think that's what the kids are saying now. <laughs> and uh, let them know that you think this is worthwhile because it goes a long way for us. And then 2east8th.com slash mindgap. And then 2east8th in general. Keep an eye on all our socials. And this Friday, 
the what is that the fifth i think friday the sixth it's the sixth sixth friday the sixth uh episode five starring the one and only christy alsip is coming out and uh it should be a good time so uh keep an eye on all that and we're we're inching closer and closer ever closer to Sid Penrose coming out. Yay! I can't wait. We hit a we hit another snafu. I'll tell you about it off air, Doug. But we're pushing through, man. We're fucking pushing through. We'll get there. You have to carry on. That's what we yes. have to do. Um, Christy, thank you again so much uh, for being here. This is so great talking to you and getting to know you. And you're always welcome back. Thank you. Oh, great. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for having me course uh i also want to say to our uh twitch followers thank you so much for hanging out and chatting with us tonight and to our og listeners who made this all possible thank you for listening and justin thank you douglas big old thank you to you and you all have a dandy fucking week mind gap podcast